All right, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be starting a brand new teaching series this morning that I'm entitled Beholding His Goodness. And so, just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we also want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with your tithes and your offerings. In case you're wondering how to do so, you can simply go to the give page on our website at lighthouse.org. Go to the right hand corner, there's a blue button that says give, and you can give from anywhere around the world. So, with that in mind, let me just go ahead and jump right on into our teaching this morning. A brand new series that we're starting again, entitled, uh, that I've entitled Beholding His Goodness. And before I get d uh, deep into the, the, the teaching, I want to just explain why uh, uh, I've chosen this topic and why I, I've chosen to go in this direction. There's a, and, then, and there's many reasons, actually. And so let me just uh, explain some of these. Uh, first of all, back in 2004, uh, when my wife and I were, I think, still, we're still in our fourth year of marriage, but. Uh, uh, still kind of newlywed stage, and we were we came across some some challenges. Uh, usually, they always have to do with finances, some one way or another. But we were at a crossroads of making some decisions, and we did not we were not sure which way to go. And on this particular afternoon, we were actually in the living room floor sitting, and I can't remember how she responded, but I know how I responded. It wasn't very well. I was. I was responding in fear more than I was in faith. But as we were pr praying, more complaining, uh, but it was a complaining type of prayer, um, the Lord spoke something to us, and it's, it's resounded in our hearts ever since then. And it's, He said, rest in my goodness, and I will take care of everything. And it's taken me, now we're in 2024, so it's taken me 20 years to really understand what the word rest means. It's taken me over 20 years to understand what the word um, is good, the phrase his goodness is. It's taken me over 20 years to understand what he means by everything, what he means by that. And it also it's taken me over 20 years to, to, to understand that he's going to do it. He will take care of everything by his goodness, as we rest in his goodness. And so it's been a resounding thing for us, not that we've mastered this, but it's been very close to our hearts. <coughs> also, excuse me, um, also on, like, for example, Facebook. On Facebook, I get, see a lot of religious posts that talk about repentance. And I'm, I'm for repentance. I'm for holiness. I'm for righteousness. I believe in the fruit of holiness and the fruit of repentance. I mean, the fruit, the fruit of righteousness, excuse me. We don't get holy before we repent. We don't get, we don't live holy to be holy. We live holy because we are holy by the blood of Jesus. And I'm all about repentance. I don't believe that the, the core of Christianity is living uh, a godly life, even though I'm all for a godly life. I'm not against it. Okay? But the, the, the main reason for Christianity is a relationship with God. And out of that relationship with God, we will live a holy, good, righteous, godly life. If the only thing we're doing is behavior modification, but there's no relationship with God, that's not Christianity. That's religion. Okay. 
And so I'm all about um, living godly, holy, and all that sort of thing. I don't teach against that. I teach for it. But where I argue with a lot of religious folks is how we live holy, how we become holy, how we become righteous and godly. It's not us, but it's Christ in us. And so I'm all for repentance, but the Bible says in Romans 2, 4, that it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. We want people to repent, but we don't want to show them the goodness of God and say we want to get on their case. We, we're using the, the ministry of condemnation and death of all, not the ministry of righteousness, the ministry of the Spirit, which I just talked 15, 16 weeks on. Okay? And so I'm not going to reteach that this morning. Okay? But the law is a ministry of condemnation and death. It's his goodness that will lead to repentance. See, when Jesus ministered to the multitudes, <coughs> and particularly when as he ministered, you'll see many different scriptures where the sinners flocked to Jesus. Now, Jesus never condoned people's sins, but yet people were flocking, the sinners were flocking to him and being changed. There's something about the goodness of God that will change people's hearts and lives and transform their lives. Versus law, which uh, is a ministry of condemnation death. People will, if you get on their case, start condemning them without showing them the goodness of God. You're not going to lead them to repentance. You're going to lead them away from God. See, that's what the religious leaders were doing. The only people who rejected Jesus were the religious leaders, not the sinners. Now, I'm not saying everybody was walking with God, no. But we have many accounts where the sinners were flocking to Jesus, not to condone their sins, but to be changed. It's this goodness that we need to repentance. See, the gospel, the word gospel is the good news. So we're talking about the goodness of God, and we're talking about the gospel good news. The gospel, it says in Isaiah 52, how beautiful upon the mountains of the feet of him who brings good news. We're to show the good news of God. The goodness of God. <coughs> okay, we're also, it says in Romans 1.16, we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the good news of Christ, for it is the power of God to, unto salvation. The King James would say, for everyone who believes for the Jew first also for the Greek. We're here to preach the gospel. And in that, the gospel is good news. And so we're here to preach good news. We're here to preach the goodness of God. Do we want to see people repent? Yes. But more importantly, we want to see people have a relationship with God. Because out, only out of that relationship with God will they truly repent. Because they're repenting to Jesus. Because if all you do, if sin's over here, and Jesus, God, and Jesus is over here, if all you do is turn from sickness, but you're not turning to Jesus, then what are you accomplishing? Who wants to be the best sinner in hell? We're turning to Jesus, and by doing so, we're turning from sin. The goal is Christ, not behavior modification. The goal is Jesus. The goal is a relationship with God. And in, in that, we're not going to sin. We've got to remember Christ is, we're crucified with Christ. It's Christ who's living in us. And Christ who's in us will live a righteous, holy, godly life. You don't have to teach Jesus how to live. We need to teach us to have a relationship with God that Christ in us and through us can live a godly, holy life.
Okay. And that this is not the scope of my message, but I, I'm, I'm just addressing some things of why I want to talk about the goodness of God. Because we've made so many other things a focus point, and we've missed the, the goodness of God. And there's so many people through the years who come to me wanting to pray for their loved ones and whatnot, and I definitely want to pray with them with about their loved ones to receive Christ and to repent. But I'm going to pray more, and I tell them this, I'm praying that they get a revelation of God's goodness. Whether that be in a dream, whether that be in something that would happen in their life, a miracle, a healing, <coughs> however that comes, that they would get a revelation of the goodness of God that would just go back, that would lead them to repentance. Because they need a revelation of God's goodness. They don't need a religion. They don't need a, a revelation of religion. They don't need a revelation how wrong they are. They need a revelation of the gospel, of the goodness of God, that would lead them to repentance. And more, more than and repentance is not the end game. The end game is a relationship with God. And then there's a, another reason why I like talking about the goodness of God. Okay, excuse me. In the book of Exodus, we have. The story of Moses, <coughs> excuse me, in Egypt going to the promised land. But in, in, the, in the middle of this uh, journey, we pick up the conversation in Exodus chapter 33, beginning verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom will, you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and have not also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence, God's responding to Moses' prayer, he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 15. Then Moses said to the Lord, he said to him, so Moses Moses is talking again. If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. <coughs> Excuse me. And the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace. For you, you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please, and then Moses is talking again. He says, Lord, show me your glory. Okay? That's where, that, that's just all prelude to where I'm getting to. Verse 19. And then God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. Moses says, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't leave us from here. Show me your presence. He says, show me your glory. And God responds to that quest. Please show me your glory. But I, he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion to whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one shall see my face and live. And the Lord said, he is... Here is a place by me, and you shall stand in the, on the rock, 
And so it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put my, you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not be seen. And then in chapter 34, we'll pick up verse 5. Now the Lord descended into the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the God, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins. And I didn't really finish the verse because I, I don't want to get to another topic. Okay. And so... I'm really, again, we're talking about beholding his goodness. I share the story because yeah, Moses says, show me your glory. And God's response to that is, I will pass before you and I will make my goodness pass before you. And he does what he promises. And it, as he begins to proclaim who he is, and there's many other things, but we're talking about the goodness of God. So I'm going to highlight that. Okay? And one of the things that he's abounding in goodness, that's his name. My point I'm trying to make with just this, and there's a lot of things I can teach on this, but that's not my scope of my teaching today. I'm talking about beholding His goodness. The goodness of God is the nature of God. Goodness is the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? Goodness. So, if, why am I talking about the goodness of God? Because I'm talking about God. It's His nature. It's His glory. Okay? And we need a revelation of the glory of God, of the goodness of God, of the nature of God. We need to rest in His goodness. His goodness will lead us to repentance. And we need to preach the gospel, the good news, the goodness, the nature of God. Okay? So all that was just a really a prelude to where I'm going to. And not even the scope of my message so much this morning. But it answers the why I'm going to this teaching this morning. And there's many facets and many, many different reasons that are behind this. Now let me also mention this, this. This is a little, little side note. Now when I think of the goodness of God, I also think of Adam and Eve. Before sin, before the fall, where God would walk with them in the cool of the day. And they had a relationship with God. They walked with God. And we don't always know how long that happened between creation and the fall. We don't know how long that took place. It seems, it seems from when we read the scriptures, they said right away. But we don't know how long that happened. But despite the fact, it was God's heart to walk with them. It was God's heart to have a relationship with them. It was God's heart to fellowship with them. Okay? And so... We need, we, we need to have this fellowship and communion with God. Moses requested it. Adam and Eve experienced it. Okay? We need to experience the goodness of God. We need to experience a relationship with God. Okay? Because this relationship, this communion with God, will break through all bondages of religion and many fears that many of us face. A relationship with God is essential. Okay? It's His glory. It's His goodness. It's who he is. Okay. Now, <clears throat> let me just say this too. You know, when I'm talking about the revelation of God, our revelation of the goodness of God, getting the revelation of God's goodness has done more for my faith than actually studying the subject of faith. 
I'm going to say that again. Getting a revelation of God's goodness has done more for my faith in God than it has than it has studying the subject of faith by itself. Why is this His glory? It, 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 it increases my faith. Why? Because I'm getting to know God, His goodness, His nature. Okay? And when I, when I get to know the goodness of God, my faith grows. It's a byproduct of me knowing and beholding the goodness of God. I could have also title this message, I've been titled this message, excuse me, um, I've entitled this message, Beholding His Goodness, but I could have easily entitled it, Faith in His Goodness. Okay? Beholding, seeing with the mind, it's a mind's eye. It's something that we studied on beholding in our last um, message, in our last segment of our last series. It means what are we focused on, what are we, what are we beholding, what are we seeing? We, are, we need to have faith in His goodness. We need to behold His goodness. But by beholding His goodness, we'll have faith in His goodness and His promises. And it, it will produce trust and reliance uh, on Him. Okay? And so, um, just keep that in mind. Um, see, we all have, when I talk about the faith in His goodness, when I'm talking about get a revelation of the goodness of God has done more for my faith than actually studying faith. We all have faith. Those of us who are believers, those of us who receive Christ, we already have the faith of God, and that's another subject that we can talk about. We can expound on that. Yet many who even that have faith, because it says in Romans 12:3, we all have the same measure of faith. Faith is like a muscle. You know, uh, for example, a baby has all the muscles I have. Okay, but a baby hasn't learned how to walk. Some haven't learned how to crawl yet. Haven't learned how to talk. Okay, they haven't learned how to sit up. They haven't learned how to do things. And there's many things uh, um, we do. We learn how to write. We learn how to do different things because we've developed those muscles. But a baby can't do those right out the room. They have to develop them. When we're born again, we get that measure of faith. We all have the same measure. It's just some have learned how to exercise that faith. And one of the ways that we learn how to exercise that faith is get a revelation of the goodness of God. And we need a constant diet, a constant diet of where we are beholding His goodness. Through the Word of God, through the Spirit of God, through the just experiencing the goodness of God in our lives. Am I making sense? And when we do that, our faith will get exercised. Our faith will grow. See, many of us have faith, but we don't know how to access it. We don't know how to exercise it. And because of that, we limit God, which is a whole other message too. Okay? Understanding His goodness helps us access His grace more, His goodness more, His promises more. It makes faith alive. When we understand the goodness of God, it will make faith alive. Okay? Seeing, beholding His goodness with our spiritual eyes will enlarge our faith. It will increase our faith. Our faith will grow. 
And I'll make one more comment here. When we learn, when we understand the goodness of God, we can begin to create our own future with our divine imagination. And that's a whole other subject, but I'm going to touch on that towards the end of the series. But as we can understand the goodness of God, we can actually create our own future with the divine imagination. Now, some of you, that's already throwing, throwing a religious wrench into your, like, how can we create our own future? Because some of us are living by faith and not by faith. One's godly, one's not. One's of the will of God, of the nature of God, of the purpose of God, of the word of God. One is not. We don't live by fate. We live by faith. And I'll develop this more about the divine imagination and how it affects our future. But we're talking about beholding the goodness of God. Or, if you want to put the subtitle on there, or change the title, Faith in His Goodness. Okay? So with that, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go through several scriptures this morning, primarily some Psalms uh, this week, and we're going to talk about the goodness of God. So the first one we're going to go to is Psalm 23. Psalm 23, and the whole Psalm is excellent. I encourage you to study it, read it, but we're going to pick it up at the very last of the verse, of the, of the Psalm, verse 6, Psalm 23. It says, surely, I love that shirt, word surely, okay, it just emphasizes it. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <coughs> There's a lot here I can expand on in even this verse alone. But surely goodness and mercy shall follow me some of the days of my life. You know, all of the days of my life. And the word all in the, Greek, in the Greek and the Hebrew means all. Okay. So surely. Not possibly. Not hopefully. Not prayerfully. Not crossing your fingers, fingers wishfully. But surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. It's a promise. And all the promises of God are yes and amen to the glory of God by us. Through us. Okay? Okay? Now we need to remember also, we are the dwelling place of the house of God. Okay? And you get that image here uh, when you read the whole Psalm, 23rd Psalm. It says, surely goodness and mercy. So we need to behold ourselves walking in His presence, just as Moses was praying for, Lord, um, don't let your presence go away from me. But as we walk in His presence, walk in relationship with God, we also need to see with our, we need to behold, we need to see with our mind. That's what I'm talking about, imagination. Okay? Because um, God gave us an imagination. But most of us use our imagination to worry about things. To stress about things. Worry is faith in the wrong direction. Okay? We use our imagination, most of us, in a negative way. What if this happens? What if that happens? Uh, we're replaying the conversation we had with somebody, or an event that took place, or we're, in a sense, imagining what may happen when I go to work tomorrow, when I give, when I give this presentation tomorrow, or whatever the case may be. 
We're imagining all the scenarios. That's imagining, which is a self prophecy. Can can be a self prophecy. Okay, and that's a whole other subject. Actually, I said I would hold off for later, but I've already brought it up again. But as we walk with God, and the key of the core of Christianity is the relationship with God. When we're in relationship with Him, walking with Him. We can be confident of this, that his, that his goodness and His mercy will follow us. No matter what we've done, and, and keep in mind, this is not based on anything we've done or haven't done. Surely His goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. It doesn't say guilt and condemnation will follow me all the days of my life. It says His goodness and His mercy will follow me all the days of my life. We need to behold this. We need to see this. We need to see with our with our minds, with our imagination, our minds. Behold means to see with the mind, with the mind's eye, that his goodness and his mercy are following. They're the greatest detail anybody could ever have. Just like a, a, a famous politician or whatever it might have a detail that follows them, body black and better term, bodyguards. Goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. We're in, under surveillance every day with his goodness and his mercy. Okay? God wants to talk with me. He wants to walk with me. He knows we are flesh. He knows that we mess up. But his goodness and his mercy will follow me all the days of my life. It's not based on what I do, but it's a permanent aspect of my life. That his goodness and his mercy will follow me all my days of my life. You might disagree with that religiously, but if you disagree with the word of God, I'm going with that. The word of God. If your opinion contradicts what the word of God just told me, that his good surely his goodness and mercy will follow me. There's no there's no conditions on this. Surely his goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. If you religiously want to add or take away from that, then Apostle John has something to say about that. If you add or take away any, any prophecy of this book, all the prophecies will come on you. And uh, anyway, I, I gotta get off that track. Okay? We must walk in the reality that His goodness and mercy follows us. We must remember, be reminded. That his goodness and mercy are following us all the days of our life. Every moment, every day, well, no matter what we're going through, what's happening, we need to remember his goodness and mercy following me all the days of my life. Let's go to Psalm 5. Psalm 5, and we'll pick it up verse 12. <coughs> Psalm 5, 12 says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor, he will surround him as with a shield. We also know from the, the, the armor of God that the faith is a shield. But it says here, the promise is that your favor will surround me as a shield. Now, but you're right, it's conditioned, Pastor Gray. Let's talk about the righteous. He will bless the righteous. Right. For he hath made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. If you are in Jesus, 
And it's not just me, it's we, plural. If you have Christ, you are the righteousness of God in him. Righteousness is not based on what you do. Righteousness is based on who you put on. We already talked about this for 15, 16 weeks about righteousness. It's who you put on. We are the righteousness of God in him. Okay? And so with that in mind, let's go back real quick. You will bless the righteous with a favor and surround him as with a shield. God blesses the righteous. And we are the righteous of God in him. Favor surrounds me, surrounds you like a shield. It's a shield. So not only is his goodness and mercy following you all the day of your life, but you have a shield. <laughs> kind of reminds, reminds me of Star Wars with some of these shields, you know, uh, when uh, the, the, the laser beams can't come and, and, and hit them. They got a shield. Okay? You got a shield. That's so, so not only do you have goodness and mercy as your caboose, your detail, but you have a shield of the favor of God that surrounds you. Okay? Favor. This favor is a buffer. It's not pride. It's not ego. See, humility is, the, the humility of all of this is, I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. Okay? We don't deserve the goodness of God. We don't deserve the mercy and goodness of God. We don't deserve the favor of God. Okay? We don't deserve the gift of righteousness. It's our inheritance in Christ. But we need to see. We need to behold. That not only is His goodness and mercy following us, but His favor surrounds us like a shield. You have some decisions you want to make? You need to make? You have faith like a shield. You have some oppression that you're going through in your government or whatever? You have this favor as a shield. We need to know who we are in Christ. Okay? We need to see, we need to appreciate and give thanks for his favor, his righteousness, his goodness and mercy that follow us all the days of our life. We need to forever conceive it. Uh, I mean, excuse me, our consciousness, we need to be conscious of it. All the our days. We need to expect right, and that's faith. We need to expect the favor and blessing and mercy and goodness of God. <coughs> Let's go to another one. Let's go to Psalms 112. Psalms 112, we'll pick it up in verse 1. Begin verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth, the, gen the generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever until the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. There's a lot in here, these four verses in Psalm 112. Okay. Let's go back here. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord. Let's talk about that just for a second. Okay. Now, this is not talking about being afraid of God. 
Okay, this fear is talking about a reverence, a trust, a reliance, a resting in God. <coughs> okay? It's a love, it's an honor. We want to talk and walk with God. We fear Him, we reverence Him, we know Him, we value our relationship with Him. And you spend time, because how do I know? How do you know what you value? You spend time with the things you value. I know we all have to work, and I know we all have to do things that we necessarily don't want to do. I'm not talking about evil things. I'm just talking about the cares of life. Okay? But when you have time, when you your desires, so even while you're doing things maybe you don't want to do, and chores around the house or the property or, or, or even work, work, what's on your mind every day, the thing that you want to do, when you get a day off, if you have, if you were retired, that thing that you value are the things that you spend your time doing. Do you value your relationship with God? You don't have to tell me if you value your relationship with God, because if you do, you would always you would be spending time with Him as often as you can. Your value, what you spend time with, is what you value. It says our descendants are blessed. Okay. Those of you who have kids, your kids are blessed. Your grandkids are blessed. We are blessed. We have a covenant with God. Okay? But then it gets here, and this is where some religious minds uh, just take a twirl. Wealth and, wealth and riches will be in his house. I want to go off on his house. It's not necessarily in this physical house that we're in here. Now that it's not excluded from here, bear with me. Okay. we got to remember that it says in Corinthians, Do you not know that you are the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone defiles the temple of God, we'll destroy him. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are? We are the house of God. We're in the temple of God. It says in 1 Corinthians, you're, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Okay? It goes on to say, on, but Hebrews 3, 6 says, But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are. And I spent a lot of time with these scriptures because they're not the scope of my teaching, but I'm just pointing out that we are the house of God. We're born again. We have been bought with a price. We are the temple of God. We are the house of God. God dwells in us. And so wealth and riches are in us. And just letting those religious cows tip over. Wealth and riches are already in you. You're not trying to get it. You already have, it's already in your house. You're like, but you don't know. Me, you don't know my situation. I didn't say I know your situation. I said I know your God. I know your God. Wealth and riches are in this house. It's in your spiritual room. Okay. I'm not letting religion, people, or my situation and circumstances dictate me what's true. The Word of God is true. And if my circumstances don't show that, then guess what's going to change? The Word of God's not going to change. But my circumstances can change. People can change. People's opinion or theology can change. People's experience can change. But the Word of God will never change. The Word of God has to be the standard, not people's religious opinions. 
Well, often riches are in my house. They're inside of me. How do I know that? Because I'm the house of God. And Christ, God, he said, what, what, but you're like, but it's in God's house. Yes, where's God? He's inside me. Of his fullness we have received in grace for grace. We are the house of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are, God dwells in us. And because wealth and riches are in my house, I can expect it. It's already there. Okay? Grace we have. It's a grace that we have in God. And it's the, the P word that most, most people don't like called prosperity. Okay? Now, prosperity is not just finances. It doesn't exclude it. But prosperity is peace with God. Joy with God. The fruit of, the whole fruit of the Spirit, that's prosperity. Healing. The he healing and wholeness that we have in God. Deliverance. That's prosperity. His goodness and His mercy who's followed me all the days of my life. That's prosperity. His favor that surrounds me like a shield. That's prosperity. Walking with God. Being in the presence of God. Being born again. That's all prosperity. And all these different avenues and aspects of prosperity will eventually go into our finances as well. Wealth and riches will be in his house. And who's his house? We are. Okay? Nothing God touches dies. But everything God touches multiplies. It's multiplication. There's there's sufficiency in God. And there's a lot of stuff I can do to expand on this. We need to do our purpose. And if you don't know your purpose in life, then you need to have a relationship with God so you can get to know your purpose. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Okay. But a lot of this prosperity, including wealth and riches, is so you can do the purpose God has called you to do. And they're already in your house. We need to see and behold that his goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. We need to see and behold he surrounds us with a shield. We need to excuse me. We need to see and behold that I want to go back here real quick. That we are blessed and we need to see and behold that wealth and riches are in the house. We need to see it we go forward again. We need to behold it. We need to project it. Meaning we need to declare it. As a self-fulfilling prophecy, which I'll talk more about later. We need to expect God to show and lead the way. There should be no confusion about what way we're supposed to go. Because His goodness and mercy are following us. His presence goes with us. We should know His will. We should project it. His word is his will. Okay. Uh, there's a lot more I can expound on this. Um, but I want to get the carpet quick one. Let's go let's use another one. Let's go to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Many of you know this because I've taught on this many times. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. What are all of his benefits? Well, he's going to list a few of them here in the next three verses. Who forgives all your iniquities, 
fulfills all your diseases. <coughs> who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness. Who, and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. And so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. There's many benefits here. First of all, let's go back real quick. We need to bless the Lord. We need to be thankful. We need to stop complaining and bless the Lord. Some of you are blessed, complaining more than you are blessing the Lord. Bless the Lord on my soul. That's David talking to himself. Let me ask you, what, question, what language are you speaking? Are you speaking the kingdom of God? Or are you speaking the kingdom of darkness? Are you speaking the kingdom of God with thankfulness and blessing? Or are you speaking the kingdom of darkness, complaining, being critical, gossip, confusion, guilt, and condemnation? Why are you even complaining? All these benefits we should behold. We should be beholding that his mercy and goodness follows all the days of our life. We should be beholding his favor surrounds us like a shield. We should be beholding that his wealth and riches are in my house, that we are blessed. We should be beholding he's forgiven me all my sins. He heals all of my diseases. He crowns my life with loving kindness. My life has been redeemed from destruction. Uh, not only loving kindness, but also tender mercies. He satisfies my mouth with good things. That's not just stuff to eat. But he satisfied my mouth with good things that I say. It's twofold. Okay? And when he satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed at the end. Some of you are complaining you're too old. Well, your benefit is that your youth gets to be renewed. He, he um, redeems your life from destruction. Okay? Our Redeemer lives. And let the Redeemer of the Lord say so. Walk. Talk with God. Behold your benefits. Behold the goodness of God. Put faith in it. His goodness. Walk with God. See yourselves doing what God has called you to do. Well, I don't know what God has called you to do. Talk and walk with God so you can know what God has called you to do and then see yourself doing it. Well, I can't do what God's called me to do because of this. That's because you're not beholding His goodness. You're focused on, on you're, you're, you're complaining. And said, bless the Lord on my soul. Wealth and riches are in your house. Behold, I can do what God's called me to do, and I can sit, sit, go where God's called me to go, and I can say what God's called me to say, and so on. Dream. Let God be your imagination. Let Him cause you to dream of where you're supposed to go and what you're supposed to do. So you can reject His promises. You can declare His promises as a self-fulfilling prophecy. Believe, believe it's real. Put faith in his goodness. These are not just scriptures and get nice warm fuzzies. This is the word of God. The goodness of God. His mercy and goodness follows you all the day. His favor surrounds you. 
like a shield. Wealth and riches are in your house. He's forgiven all you all your sins. He's He's healed all your diseases. He's crowned your life with loving kindness and tender mercies. He's redeemed your life from destruction. He satisfied your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Make it personal. Imagine them. Some of you are imagining all day of everything going wrong. Start imagining. Get the word of God in your system. Take it like a pill. And take it like a, a cow chooses its cud and just chew it over and meditate it on it night and day that you may have success. Joshua 1 8. Make it personal. He's given you the gift of righteousness. He's forgiven you. There's no guilt or shame. He's, he healed you. He's chosen me to walk in his blessings. I believe you can have as much of God as you want. Much as his goodness as you want. If you feel like you are lacking, then pursue the promises of God. Pursue the goodness of God. Believe the goodness of God. Behold it. Declare it. Okay? Believe what God wants to do. See, religion focuses on how unworthy you are, how much you have messed up. Religion focuses on sin, 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 sin. And like I shared in the last, in the last series, I already talked about this morning, it's the ministry of death and the ministry of condemnation. But we have the ministry of righteousness, which is the ministry of the Spirit. Okay? That is not our ministry. Now, and some people just never recover from the ashes. Something's gone wrong, and they just have felt death and condemnation, and they just have never recovered from that. Okay? <coughs> God is, some religion doesn't focus on that God's holding back, that God's chastising you. Now, Jesus suffered, so you must suffer. There's so many different aspects of religion that I see on Facebook every day. But Jesus, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. But I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. God is good. And we mean to behold his goodness. We are blessed. And all the promises of God are yes and they are amen. See, some people teach, religion teaches, like God gives you sickness to teach you something. God doesn't need to give you sickness. We, how do we get taught? We get taught by the Word of God. We get taught by the Spirit of God. We don't get taught by sickness. That's not biblical. That's not biblical. God does not teach you with sickness any more than He would uh, teach you to sin to perfect you. That's a doctrine of demons right there. Anyone who says that sickness is there to teach you something. God's not going to tempt you with sin to perfect you. God wants you well. He wants you whole. God wants you to have the fullness of joy in His presence. And we'll be expanding on that in just a few moments. We should be some of the happiest people on the planet. Because we have His goodness out and mercy that follows us all of our days. We have His favor that surrounds us like a shield. 
wealth and riches are in our house. He's forgiven all of our diseases, healed us all of our, our He's healed us from all of our diseases, forgiven all of our iniquities. He has crowned our life with loving kindness and tender mercies. He's redeemed our life from destruction. He has satisfied our mouth with good things that our youth and renew like the eagles. We should be some of the happiest people on the planet. We should be full of joy. We should be full of expectation. We should be full of positivity. The fullness of God lives in us. Of this fullness we have received grace for grace. See, no one can fight against the promises of God in your life. Satan comes to still kill and destroy. But the promises of God, they are eternal. Satan can't take them from you. He can try. And if you don't believe the word of God, if you don't know what you have, you won't use your authority to tell the Satan where to go. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. When you submit to God, it means you're submitting also to the promises of God, the goodness of God, the nature of God, the presence of God. And if you submit to God, resist the devil. So many people are resisting the devil without submitting to God. It doesn't work. When you submit to God, you can resist the thief, and he will grow. Okay? His favor surrounds you like a shield. Use your shield. Use your shield. So if you have a shield and you're not even using it, it surrounds you. His favor surrounds you like a shield. Folks, why am I sharing all this? Because I just want you to be rich? No. Am I saying life is just a, a bowl of cherries? No. But in a sense, it can be. If you will trust the goodness of God, I'm not saying life won't always be fair, but you can change your circumstances. I know the world is falling apart, but we don't have to. We're in the kingdom of God. We're the people of God. Like Joseph, like David, like so many of the patriarchs and different things in different situations, the goodness of God followed them. They have their stories to tell. They have things that didn't always go so well. But they didn't let the things that were negative dictate how their life was going to go. They changed their circumstances. They changed the direction of their life. Others need to see your testimony. Others need to see you testify of your life, not just your words, but your life being a testimony of how God treats his kids. And they begin to ask, why are you so blessed? You have a victory. Why do you always have victory? We need to walk in the blessing of God and we give God glory by them people seeing the testimony of our lives of the goodness of God. People should see the goodness of God in your life and say, I want what you have. People shouldn't look at our lives like, I know God's good, but I really don't want what you have because your life is, your life is just in shambles. Okay? I could expound on that a lot more. But, see, we're here to glorify God. And God is glorified when we are doing well. It's not our religious dogma or suffering 
are just hanging in there. That's not what we are about. We're not, again, allowing, following faith, but we have faith. We live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Faith in the goodness of God. Faith in the nature of God. Faith in God. Faith in the goodness of God. His goodness will change your life. Now let's look at another one. Let's go to Psalm 34. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is what? Good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. <coughs> Do you trust him? That's a rhetorical question. But if you speak out loud, I can't hear you. So, how do you trust Him? Are you blessed? Depending on how you answer that, tells me if you've been beholding His goodness or not. If I ask you, are you blessed, and you give me any answer but yes, then you really need to listen to this message again. Because we've already read His goodness and mercy follows us. His favor surrounds us like a shield. Wealth and riches are in our house. You might not be seeing that, but that's the word of God. You're blessed. You might not be accessing that. Because you are, you've been studying faith or studying the problem more than you've been studying the goodness of God. And that has become your image. He's redeemed your life from destruction. That's your, that's your blessing. You might be feeling... You might have experienced destruction, but you haven't seen the redemption of that from destruction. You need to put behold his goodness so that your faith can grow and you can get out of that situation. Am I making sense? I'm not trying to get on your case, but I am trying to shake the tree, so to speak. Don't be comfortable with everything falling apart. It's called the fight of faith. Have faith in his goodness. Are you trusting him? Are you blessed? See, let me ask you this question. What do you talk about first? Do you talk about all the challenges that are happening in your life? Or do you talk about all the blessings of God first? What do you talk about most? If I had a conversation with you, are you, are you going to spend 90% of that conversation talking about everything that's going wrong? Or are you going to talk 10%? This is going on, but I'm going to talk 90% about the promise of God. God, I, This is going on, but God said by his stripes I'm healed. God says he heals all my, my, my uh, diseases. And you, you talk 90% about all the promises of God despite what you're going through. Is the first thing you talk about is your sicknesses or your failures or this or that? Do you talk first about your lack of resources? Do you talk first and foremost about the cares of this world? Because if that is the case, then like the parable of the sower, you are the seed that fell on thorny soil, and that seed is being choked out by the cares of this world. Instead of by the word of God, the goodness of God, the promise of God. 
What's coming out of your heart? Complaining? Talking mostly about what's wrong versus the blessings of God, the word of God, the goodness of God, the favor of God? What are you beholding? What's on the forefront of your mind? You might realize the same thing's going wrong, but you're like, David, bless the Lord on my soul for getting all of his benefits. You read the Psalms, you, hear, you read the story of David, you know the struggles he went through. But you read the Psalms of how he encouraged himself in the Lord always. Paul, all the things that he went through, yet he continued to bless the Lord. Okay. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. I'm not saying everything is a bed of roses, but your mind can be stayed upon him because he will keep his perfect peace. His mind is stayed upon him because he trusts in him. Are you thinking about everything that's going wrong? Are you, everything's go, things might be going wrong, but you're focused on his goodness that's following you, his mercy that's following you, the shield of his favor. You're so focused on the wealth and, and riches that are in his house. You're so focused on his forgiveness and his healing, his loving kindness and his tender mercies, the redemption of your life. You're so focused on your mouth being satisfied with good things that your youth is being renewed like the eagles. And there's another one to the equation. The Lord is good. You're so focused on his goodness. I challenge you folks, address all of your challenges in life each day with the goodness of God. I know I'm going to do this, but I am going to magnify and I am going to exalt the goodness of God. It's not just saying the right things. It is faith in his goodness. It's beholding his goodness. It might make any sense. Yes, I want you to say it. But if you say it, but you're not focused on it, you're not, you don't have faith in it. It's just words. But you need to believe in your heart. You need to behold his goodness. You need to have faith in his goodness. Faith comes from beholding his goodness. It is trusting and believing God. Not just saying the right words. You can say the right words, but your heart is elsewhere. Am I making sense? If it's here, it will come out of your mouth. But if you're just doing lip service and inside you're still turmoil, you're still focused on the challenges. In many ways, lack of better term, you're being a hypocrite. Yeah, I don't say that to condemn you. I just say that to correct you. Get it in your heart. Behold it. Focus on it. Fast. Fasting doesn't change God. Fasting changes you. When you shut everything else out, and I'm going to focus on God's word and his goodness until my heart is resting in his goodness, knowing he will take care of everything. I've done that. I've done that where I, as best I could, I shut everything down. 
and get refocused on God and His goodness and get my heart back in gear, get my heart back aligned with the Word of God. We need to get our hearts so in tune, beholding His goodness and trust, believe in Him, trust in Him that He alone is our source in everything. Trust in His goodness, training ourselves to stay in peace, training ourselves to rest in His goodness. When challenges come, don't get ruffled up, don't get freaked out with thanksgiving. Behold His goodness. We, he redeems your life from destruction. See, everything I'm talking talk, talk about should be a daily routine of stirring yourself up. It says in Timothy, Paul said to me, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in me through the laying on of my hands. In Corinthians, but Paul talks about how we need to come to the table of remembrance. We need to come to this table. If you're struggling, fast, pray, come to this table of remembrance. Be reminded of his body that was broken for you. The blood of his new covenant. Be reminded. If you need to actually do the exercise, do the exercise. Do it. Okay? It's, all about, it's not about being religious. It's about beholding his goodness. And the exercises can actually help you. Don't worship the exercises. Don't worship the ordinances. Don't make them legalistic. <coughs> but make them as a tool to help get refocused. The more you choose to behold his goodness, the more power you will have in prayer. See, in the parable of the sower, we have the parable of the seed of fellowship and the thorny ground, and the cares of the world chucked it out. And if we continue to feed on the cares of this world instead of the promises of God, instead of the word of God, it will choke, not only choke out the world, word, it will choke out choke out the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. It will chuck out anything God wants you to do in you and through you. When we, we need to behold and give more attention to the Word of God than we do the cares of this world. But most of us give more attention to the cares of this world than we do of the goodness of God. Are you hearing me? Are you being real? Are you being honest with yourself? Most of us, many of us, are more, are beholding and giving more attention to the cares of this world than we are the goodness of God that I'm talking about this morning. And because we give more attention to the cares of this world than we do of the goodness of God, we have made the cares of this world our Lord and not the goodness of God our Lord. My Lord is not the cares of this world. My Lord is the goodness of God. He's my healer. He's my provider. He's my peace. He's my wisdom. He's my salvation. And he's my song. I believe it. I need to act like it. I need to declare it. I need to walk it. I need, I need to behold it. What's your tomorrow look like? I don't know about you, but my, my tomorrow is blessed. Now, if you're, whenever I ask you what your tomorrow looks like, and you are already, the first words out of your mouth, you're already complaining about the moral, the tone, you're already in the wrong place. Am I making sense? I know my tomorrow will be better than my today. 
I am going to grow in grace. I'm going to grow and, and be stronger. I know that God is, as I'm focused on Him, my relationship, I'm being enriched in all things. I'm beholding new things. These things are changing my life. And I need to make up my mind. I'm done with walking with the cares of this world. I'm going to start walking in the blessing and goodness of God. Let's look at another one real quick. Okay. The young lions may lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. We're talking about the goodness of God. We shall not lack any good thing, which goes with Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Are you lacking? Or do you think you're lacking? You have all this goodness and mercy following you. You've been surrounded with his favor like a shield. How can you be lacking when his favor is surrounding you like a shield? Wealth and riches are in your house. He's forgiving all of you to Jesus. He's healed you of all your your your, your uh, He's forgiven you of all your sins. He's healed you of all your diseases. He's crowned your life with loving kindness and tender mercies. He's redeemed your life from destruction. He's satisfied your mouth with good things. Your youth has been renewed like the eagles. You, you have. There's no lack. You're lacking. No good things. We either believe the word of God or we believe our circumstances and the cares of this world more than the word of God. Which one do you believe more? Do you believe what you're experiencing, what you see, more than you do the word of God? Then what you're experiencing, what you see, because it's your Lord. Because still we have a problem. We need to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to us. We need to know who we are and what we have in Christ. We have the fruit of the Spirit. We have peace. We have joy. We have love. It says in Romans 5, 5 that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. We need to choose to see and to behold who we are and what we have. Do you have an unexpected expense that come, has come upon you? Then rejoice, knowing that you will lack no good thing. Choose to live this way. Choose to live the way that I'm trying to preach. I don't know if I'm conveying it very well. I'm presenting this in a very well way. But we need to live, this needs to be a lifestyle where we see ourselves as we are more blessed, we are free from bondage. We are free from the slavery. We are free from the cares of this world. We are free from freer, freer, freer from sin, from all this stuff. We live in fellowship with God. His goodness, His mercy follows us. We're surrounded by His favor. We have wealth and riches in our house. We have all these benefits. We lack no good thing. He knows what we've done even before we did it. Behold, He still loves you. He is still giving you his righteousness. He's still giving you his promises. He's still showing his goodness to you. He's giving you his life. He wants to bless you with his mercy and goodness and all his favor and all these things. Behold, this is reality. Believe it. Faith, put faith in his goodness.
and let his goodness be your Lord. Behold it with your mind's eye. See it. Believe it. See, when we see it, and we believe it, and then we begin to say it, we'll see change. How do I know that? Well, first of all, how do I know that the things that we speak will see? Well, first of all, we've been created in his image and likeness. In Genesis chapter 1, God said, and it happened. God said, and it happened. God said, and it happened. We are created in his image and likeness. The things that we say. Life and death are the power of the tongue. The book of Proverbs says. There's life or death in everything you say. It goes on to say that we've been created in his image and likeness. It goes on to say that we also believe in death when we speak. There's power in your words. But where do those words come from? By what you believe. By what you say. By what you see. We need to see it. We need to believe it. And we need to say it. And we'll see change. But it starts with beholding his goodness. You're not going to speak his goodness if you're not even seeing it. You're not going to see his goodness if you're not even believing it. Am I making sense? Where does it start? Behold his goodness. Put faith in his goodness. Let his goodness become more dominant in your sight and what you dwell on, what you meditate on. Then we're all, many of us are meditating on the cares of this world every day, every moment when we sleep, when we. When we're alone in the shower, when we're alone driving the car, we're just we're meditating, we're seeing all the things go wrong. We're saturated with the news and this and that. You need to saturate your mind with the goodness of God. Not the cares of this world. Running out of time. Psalm 37. Trust the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faith. Feed on his faith. Delight yourself also in the Lord. He shall give you the desires of your heart. And make your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. And he shall bring it to pass. <coughs> now don't be religious. God lives in you. Desires come from God. See, when you read this, he shall give you desires of your heart. Now what desire people have a problem with? They think it's all about lust. You don't think God will give you the lust of your heart. It says that he'll give you desires of your heart. This is uh, what's prerequisite to this is that we have feed on his faithfulness. We're delighting in him. You feed on his faithfulness, you will begin to delight. Some of you are like, how do I begin to delight in the Lord? Feed on his faithfulness. Delight in him. And when you're delighted in him, he will give you, he will conceive in you desires of your heart. Don't be religious. God lives in you. Desires come from God. Okay? We're not talking about carnal things. We're talking about feeding on his faithfulness. We're talking about delighting in him. We're talking about life. We're talking about joy, peace, love. We're talking about health. We're talking about being a blessing to others. Because we are not, we don't have lack. We're talking about God's will. And there's many ways to express that. See, many of us treat life like we're on a tightrope with God. Versus we're in an open meadow or a beach. And God's given us all these different opportunities to do his will. 
God created the earth for us to enjoy. God, and when God created the earth, he said it was good. I believe that we can have a time of our life with the goodness of God. Now, I know some people, God has given a very specific call and a very specific will. But even in there, we're not on a tightrope with God. We have a life to live with God. So I hope I'm, hope I'm painting a picture with that. Some, some people are treating it like... Um, we don't have any elbow room to live and my personality and different things to come out. Um, I feel like I'm chopping that up. I'm trying to rush here with my thoughts. Um, we just have to remember that he is for us. He's not against us. Let's go with one more. i got two more and hopefully I can squeeze it in here. I know I'm a little over time right now. But Psalm 1611, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. Are forevermore. That's another one we can add to our list of the goodness of God. Pleasures forevermore. See, religion will say, only in prayer time could you have pleasures forevermore. I know, I believe prayer time should be one of our most happiest places. It should be one of our most joyful places. Because he's our source. And he's waiting to bless us with his goodness. I mean, I don't know about you, but when Christmas time, and I know there's going to be gifts there that are unwrapped and are open, it's a happy place. Well, prayer time should be just like that. We just know that God is just going to uh, pour out his goodness on us every time we come to prayer. He's a good God. And when we're praying for others, we have to remember in our prayer time that God loves them more than, than we love them. He's using our faith and he's using our compassion for them. Because he says he will never leave them or forsake them. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Okay? But at his right hand there are pleasures evermore. And this phrase confuses the religious mind. I don't know about you, but I want the pleasures of God. I want to enjoy life. I know the world is falling apart, but I don't have to. Don't submit to the cares of this world. I can have the joy of the Lord. I can have pleasures forevermore. His wealth and riches are in me. His, he surround me with faith. His favor, excuse me. With goodness and mercy. I don't lack anything. He's given me all these benefits. Joy is not based on my circumstance. Joy is based on the what God, what and who God has inside of me. He has all these goodness. He has all this wealth in, inside of me. He has all himself inside of me. And my joy is not based on my circumstance. My joy is based on who's inside of me. And all of these promises. This wealth and riches are in, in this house. They're mine. They're eternal. And no one can steal them from me. As well as I get them access. I can choose to walk in the pleasures of God. Alright, let's end with one more. Psalm 27, verse 13. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land. I'm not going to lose heart. 
Why? Because I choose to behold and see his goodness in the land of the living. Quit letting the cares of this world dictate your day. Quit letting the cares of this world dictate your life. Choose to behold the goodness of God in the land of the living. Walk in it. It's the land of the living, not the dead. Okay? Show, he shows you the path to live. I believe that we had that in one of the verses. I think it was the last one. He shows you the path of life. Okay? Shows you the path of life. There should be no confusion. There should be no suppression. We should have joy inexpressible. Take time to behold these things. I've gone through these kind of fast. I just want to get a lot of these psalms out there because I want to just flood you with psalms about the goodness of God. Walk in them. Declare them with your mouth. Your life will change. And people will begin to see what's happening to you because they are seeing the goodness of God in your life. They've seen you talk about it. No matter what's going on, no matter what's happening, you can't just help but believe and express of the goodness of God. Be an advertisement of how God treats his kids. I, I, I don't know if this has helped you, but this is just a beginning point where we're getting started with a new series talking about beholding his goodness. Anyway, uh, you guys have a good have, Made them to have a good week and bask in his presence, bask in his goodness, and you have a good week. Amen. God bless.